Welcome to States of Poetry. My name is Dylan Gunawadner, and I'm the Assistant Editor of Australian Book Review. States of Poetry is a national project funded by Copyright Agency's Cultural Fund. These are the first national or federally arranged poetry anthologies published in this country. Each state selection has been edited by a senior poet who has chosen six local poets. The state anthologies appear on our website with introductions from the state editors and other materials. Here to introduce his poems, Grammar Lesson, You Never Said It's a Race, Dad, and Still Life, is Izzy Unikowski. I'm Izzy Unikowski. I worked for 30 years in the federal bureaucracy in the Commonwealth, and as a public servant, there's a particular type of writing that goes along with being a bureaucrat, which perhaps is at war with the sort of writing that you do as a poet. So some of those tensions, I find, have an impact on my choice of subject and the way in which I write. So as a bureaucrat, for example, you abhor ambiguity, and of course, you keep things pretty short. As a poet, you try to keep things short, but you revel in ambiguity. So there's a bit of a tension between those two things. And now I'm studying for my PhD here at the ANU in political science. And so there's a third form of writing there, which in a way is perhaps a bit of an amalgam of both the, the creative type of writing and the bureaucraties. Most of my work starts with an idea and then I gradually accrue dollops around that. And I know that somebody like Paul Valéry would, would hate that because he would say, well, if you want to write verse and you begin with thoughts, you're actually beginning with prose. But I find that having worked as a bureaucrat for so long, that's the way I work. Most of my poems start with a German of an, of an idea, something that I've experienced or seen or read, and then I go from there. One of them is based around our travels in Montreal, but it actually began with the phrase, the crowd marvelled, which I'd heard in, I suppose, either a tennis or a cricket commentary. And it struck me what an interesting phrase that is, that it's actually all about perception. It's what goes on in the crowd's minds and the crowd perceptions rather than what's happening on the field. Perception is something that I'm very interested in as well. And that's one of the reasons why I'm very interested in a lot of the modern American poets like Wallace Stevens, James Merrill, people like that for whom perception is everything. Grammar lesson. There should be a name for the special case in which we say the crowd marvelled. If that roar that rose over the back of the stadium walls, over the rain-shingled streets, conveys the sense that what mattered on the pitch or the court happened in the eyes that watched it, that indicates a place has changed for our having stood there. In front of the little parish school, say, sheltering from drizzle, the headlights dazzle under a descant of leaves the better to watch a harvest moon that means the world is trying to tell you something not to the undergraduates howling at halloween not to the dog walkers who look up as they pass and nod but to us as we stand there to marvel at that red corsage pinned to a foreign sky above staircases twined like dna toward kitchen lights shining through the transom windows the next one uh, is something that I overheard not far from here walking beside the lake. A kid was yelling out at his dad. And that's the phrase that begins this poem. You never said it's a race, dad. And the response to that, in my mind, almost immediately turned into sapphics. You never said it's a race, dad. Oh, but it's a race, all right. Trust me, kid, that hill he almost managed to beat you to the top of. Rubbish. 
challenged him more than you, despite all the picnic stuff he made you carry in your Batman rucksack. It's a race to find all the spare parts, becoming antiques, puzzling kids in the bike shop, while you've multiplied years, like gear ratios, slipping cables, missing chain links, pedals going around faster. But the landscape's keeping pace with its hunched shadow, even though you're nudging his rear wheel. Love ballasts his panniers. You imagine the peloton behind you, scattered by your wake, while his has vanished round the next unfathomable bend. Lastly, still life is again based on an idea that the way in which people looked at still life paintings in the 16th and 17th century and understood the language of the objects in those paintings that formed a language. In our age today, would we still be able to have that kind of conversation, as it were, between a work of art and the public looking at it? It's called still life. As if all the world's ravel, its bright course of device were to stream through a pinhole in the side of a box and emerge into a corridor of delft tiles on which tiny figures from childhood or a dream semaphore at my self-portrait, ghostly pentimento in its dun vestments and the servant drying linen in the dunes. The images unclear, inverted. Details such as these meant something to us once We'd have recognised the tulips, citrus, overturned bouquet, understood why a chalice struts on damask drapes. Now language falters. Out of my time, I gape at the mantle, a strand of dropped cargo, the tendered key at which ships ready their serene freight. Ponder an hourglass, insects, the gap that sets beyond reach, the risque hair, proffered to an abandoned loot, pewter languor of a herring on its plate. Crimson fruit chased in lattice light.